Here on Anderson Street, it's all about provocative conversation at the dinner table. And you know this. An education in America is so utterly variable with dependables of resources, region, systemic oppression, and so on. Joining us are Margot, Aaron, Zach, and Yannick, and we welcome you back to the table. Mary Pat and I went after I graduated Maryland and she graduated culinary school. We went on a long road trip together. First of all, amazing. Oh, LOL. Well. And then we took like a left turn to Chicago and then straight down to Bible Hill. No sin. So like maybe you could tell, like my mom's white, I'm brown. People are like, what? In the South? In yeah, the Deep South? That's yeah, awesome. I didn't know. Right. So like we paused, we had like a conversation and we were like, so if this happens, this, if this happens, this, everything should be fine. But we went to Natchez, which at one point was, um, I think it housed like 30 of the top 40 millionaires in the United States. Nice. So they all lived here, right on the Mississippi River or so on. And um, what we were staying in, like, the Gone with the Wind, so yeah. just like antebellum mansions, et cetera, just so extra. Um, and Miss Jeanette had gout and was just like total story. <laughs> So one night we're just sitting there and we're like, we should go across the train tracks. It just just, just feels like a place that you would go across the no, train tracks. Yeah. Don't do it. You did. No. <laughs> in our rental. So movie. Correct. Correct. Not telling Sid, like not giving him the daily call. We're just like, we out. So we were on one side of the train tracks, which has all the beautiful antebellum era tours. And everyone is, you know, stately and they still have the um, galas where you like walk to the town in your ball gowns. And then we went literally across the train tracks and it was absolute dilapidation. It was um, just so very clearly um, uh, generations of what at one time were, you know, slave homes and then the same families worked for the same families across the train tracks. Still, it was just like so very obvious and um, pieces of ceilings and roofs were just folded in and people lived in these places and we drove past the school. And it was like three stories, I think it was a full block. And it was clearly like the um, person of color school, the lower socioeconomic school. It was a school that had been used for generations for, for these people. And over there was a lovely school. And this one had, I mean, windows were broken. Um, of course, there was, uh, when you walk through the metal, the metal detector, yeah. front, outside, every entrance and exit. Yeah. yeah. Yo, and we were there. It was. It was. We were there like during summer. We were out of school. So, so we're talking no, about no, twenty so, years ago. So this was a few years ago. Oh yeah, this was in eleven. Mm. That, we, that we went, wow. or even twelve, I think. And um, I, I wasn't anticipating starting with this story, but here we are. And I, I guess the disparity, which it's a very American and or very Brooklyn conversation to have, like everything is racially related. But like also it is, especially in education in America, in a very opposing way than in other cultures in the world. And I, I'm not as um, uh, impassioned maybe, or maybe I don't know as much about education as everybody else at this table. So actually I wanna sit here and learn from you guys. Um, but I do pose the question of, can charter schools, can private schools, uh, provide some sort of equity for the kids that would live in the Natchez, Mississippi's. I don't know. Okay, here's what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Here's what I feel. 
I feel that basically it is totally about racism. It's totally about poverty in this country yeah. and racism. And if we can address those ills, then education will improve. It is a fallacy to say that public education is failing. Amen. It's a fallacy. It's that they're pulling funds away. These corporate reformers are pulling funds away from these schools. Thus, they're, they're, they have the standardized testing, which yes. is horrendous. horrendous. Yes. So do I think private schools can? No, I say put the money where it belongs in public education. In school districts. And, and school in districts. The yeah, get, let's get prenatal care for moms so the kids are born without defects. Let's get um, kindergarten. Let's get educators, teaching educators, and let's get children not studying just reading, writing, and math, right. but history and drama and science. Let's go for public. Um, I kind of agree and disagree. I think that charters can work, um, because I'm, I'm not a part of the charter schools, but I worked in the, I'm actually working in one right now. And so, it's, um, the one I'm working in right now is in Red Hook. So, um, I think it's not necessarily about like the charter school label, it's about the people that's in the building. And so, we have to be careful, one, about like who's in our building and who's teaching our children. But then also when it comes to charter schools, we also have to make, like, make no, and I, this is one of the points I was thinking of on the way here, is that if you look at any major charter school network, a lot of them backed by like big banks. So what's happening is that they're funneling all of this money, all of these, oh. so basically all the corporate, all the politicians that have been lobbying against you know, providing more educational advocacy and you know, resources and equity, et cetera, et cetera, all the fancy buzzwords. Now, you take all the lobbyists that you know, are backed by these big banks, then they say, oh man, education's a problem. We should fix it ourselves. And so they buy and build all these big schools. And so you have like the big networks. I'm not gonna name any names, there's no shade, right? But if you, I'm <laughs> okay. telling you, if you go on any one of them, they're backed by these big banks. Okay. And so it's like literally them taking the money that would go to public education and public schools, and then funneling back out to charter schools, which are now privatized and they can run out of their own rules and you know govern themselves the way they want to, which is a good and bad thing, depending on like which school. teachers are worked to death, yeah. is what It depends, because I mean, it, it really all depends. The teachers are worked to death no matter where you go. If okay. you're in public, if you're in charter, if you're in private, whatever. Whatever. You're always going to be worked to death if you're a teacher, and that's, you know, another, you know, conversation point. But I think, like, charter schools aren't the be-all, end-all solution, but I don't think that um, they should be demonized as much as, uh, you know, people think they are. Okay. Well, maybe, can we clarify, actually, charter? I thought I thought public there's public charter. I thought it was like a public thing. There's lottery, and that means that only some kids can get in. So at some point, I don't actually know if that lottery is based off of like zoning or <laughs> academic merit or. All right. So I mean, I can't speak to all schools, but I can speak to one of the schools that I worked in. When we had a lottery, it's literally just about who wanted to be there. And so the system, um, how it works was that if we had one sibling already in the school, then the other, then if their brother or sister wanted to come in, they got an extra, you know, lottery slot, right? So oh. um, it wasn't by like, oh, we're looking at their grades. Now, I can't say this is the same for all networks, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I know for mine, that wasn't the case. Um, but I do know that there are that do, you know, take academic merit and they don't say, oh, I don't want this person because they're special ed or they have a history of behavioral issues and we don't have the resources to support them. And so they, you know, throw them into the, you know, public schools, which more than likely, unfortunately, aren't equipped to handle or won't have the, you know, won't give that child the necessary attention that they need. Um, yeah, so I don't want to. You know, I don't want to dominate conversations. Don't worry, so. don't worry. No, it's interesting because, like, in, so we have an interesting problem in Philly. And mm -hmm. I don't know how charters are set up everywhere. Mm -hmm. But in Philly, at one point, they were handing them out like candy. 
So if you had an idea, they were like, here's a charter and $10 million, and you don't have to fulfill proof of concept for three to five years. Plus, wow. the city was providing right. funding to... So the charter oh. program is funded by the taxpayer. Right. So it's, okay. a public, it's a public school, but the reason the charter matters is because it's you know charting a new course, which is garbage for most of the schools. Mm -hmm. And so like, say we've got like 50 schools in the city, 50 charter schools in the city, I would easily say 25 of them fail in the first three or five years in Philly because it's a money-making scheme for a right, lot of them. Right, right. Then what ends up happening is the networks come in, get those charters, and now they're running 15, 20 schools in an area, banking half a million, half a billion dollars in revenue from taxpayer dollars with very little oversight. So we've had it in Philly, we've had the charter system in place since the early 90s. I want to say within the last two or three years was the first time they stopped giving out charters to say, now we're going to revisit all the charters we've given out to see if they're successful. So there was no so like oversight. Right. And so you've got a ton of kids who are going through charter schools who, if they want to go to trade school or college or whatever, are having a hard time because they can't read and write. And so, like, that's what's... So, Philly... We're super grown. But anyway. Um, <laughs> like that, yeah, everyone's across the board. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no common court in... But it was different. So like my favorite charter school in Philly no longer exists, but it was the music production charter school. <laughs> You've heard Hello. of it, right? You heard of it? And exactly. Right. So yes. it was great. It's like it's music production, but what ended up happening was the guys who did it weren't even educators. They barely had degrees. They didn't know how to manage money, and so they blew through five million in like two years. Oh, wow. And the school closed, and now the kids couldn't get diplomas. You can't get into a charter school in the neighborhood because the public schools are all closed. Right. And no charter came in to buy the land to open a school. And so you're in like a, an education desert in some parts of the city. Right. Which is correct. Wild. Yes, and you know what's fallacious too? They're saying that charter. I'm sorry, I don't mean to denigrate your probably you're there as great. <laughs> no, look, I'm not. I'm just, I don't take it personally. You know, I'm I'm all like, I, I, know, I know the spectrum of how people feel about charter schools, yeah. and I was the same way at one point. I was like, yeah, and then I worked in one. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool, right? right? Um, but you know, again, I, I respect. Yeah. You know, so no, I was trying somewhere. to say they're saying that charter schools were like the be-all, end-all panacea. Right. But in fact, you're right. And in, in where I'm from, it's it's publicly generated. It's all through taxes and stuff. And uh, the problem was, well, the biggest problem, gang. I don't know if you all agree, uh -oh. is the core curriculum standard that that testing stuff yeah. is horrendous. Yeah, I believe because. That let me give you an, an analogy of why it's really bad. Let's take law enforcement for a minute. So let's say somebody says, listen, crime has to be completely done without within 20 years. And if it isn't done without, you know, we're closing all the, the police stations down. So there will be no more law enforcement. That's what they're saying about school systems by putting yeah. this. All right, every school has to pass. And if it doesn't pass, we're going to close it down and fire all the teachers. Hello? Who teaches But then you get no support to teach to the test or implement a strategy that's going to help you overcome that. Yeah, but forget the test. I know that. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's corrupted in and of itself. Exactly. Because, like, you know, they'll be, like, uh, like for example, they'll, like, test students or, like, help them learn, like, certain, like, um, of the standards. Right. But then we don't know, who, like, what standards are actually going to be on the test. Correct. So they could be studying something about reading the whole time and then, the whole, you know, 
or like you know nonfiction, right? right? But then the next thing you know, they get a test and it's all about poetry. Right. And so, oh, you right. failed, but you don't know what you're doing. Right. No, we didn't learn this because we don't have the time. Exactly. And, you know, so and we don't know who makes these tests. You know, all we know is like you know, I you know, private company. You know, we have like these big companies like Pearson and Curriculums, yeah. right. all these people that yeah. Kaplan, you know, Power School, all these people that make these tests, but there's no oversight, you know? That's so, right. You're absolutely right. You know. But here's the question for all of you why were charter schools invented? The money that's going into charter schools, that's why I, exactly. I do have an issue with charter schools, because the money that's going into charter schools, why isn't it going into public education? Correct. Oh, that's, that's because those are the neighborhood schools already. Why don't yeah. we put it Char into... Yes, yeah. charter schools are taxpayer schools. Yeah. So why do you invent something that's exactly the because same? Because they thought it was the, the cure-all at the time. But actually, but and I said it even in the, in the interview, a bipartisan thing, both Republicans that's and right. Democrats failed education. Yeah. Right. And because continue they, to do so. Yeah. And something we haven't even mentioned, which, which I think is really interesting, is you were taken out of... Public school, school as a yeah. absolute child, yes. and were educated much differently than any of us in this entire room. Yes, I was and, taken out yeah. in, in first grade. Um, my parents are both school teachers. Mom was like a first and third grade teacher, um, who then retired once she had me, and then had my two sisters and stayed at home and taught us. And but home is home was in Oklahoma. Um, so I was in um, a college town, um, probably about. 40 to 50,000 with students, so not super oh. big. Um, and uh, a lot of like rural communities and things like that. Um, there were people that were homeschooling at the time that were like, but a lot more of it was like religious based at that time because I would have been starting to be homeschooled in like probably like the mid 90s. And where we were, most of it was religious based where they didn't want their kids going and being exposed to things that were outside of their Correct. religious beliefs. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can't have Harry Potter yes. in schools. Um, and so, but my parents pulled me out because they felt that for, I think for a, a multitude of reasons, um, but the big ones were them being teachers themselves. I think they saw and being a part of the system and they didn't want to take their kid and put them through the system that they knew was already having problems and that the schools that were available to me were not quality schools and some of them had crime problems and some of them were just not very well-funded schools, and so they felt that putting me into that environment wasn't gonna be something that they wanted to see me come back out of. And I think the other reason was that they thought, you know, you, you go to school for, you know, seven to eight hours a day, and they, you know, would think, well, who's having the most influence on our kids when they're there five days a week, and they're there, you know, the teachers see the kids more than my parents would have. And so they pull, pulled me out, and but also with a very like, clear view, I think at first grade, I was probably like, sweet, don't have to go to school, you know? But like, they told us, they were like, because um, they homeschooled my sisters as well, um, and said, you can go back whenever you want to. Like, we can do the, we're gonna do this for, you know, one year, and if any time during that year you're miserable or you wanna go see friends or this just isn't your thing, you have the option to go back. Um, but it's interesting to listen to you talk, especially about the standardized testing and things, because I didn't test at all. I didn't test. Lucky. Right. No, no, standard, no standardized testing. Uh, I mean, because I was homeschooled all the way up until eighth grade by my parents. And then in eighth grade, as we were starting to like look into going into high school and those years, um, we looked at like, okay, if you want to continue going down this road and want to stay homeschooled, um, we're gonna have to find something that gets you actual test scores because trying to get into a college with yeah. no test it's scores is it's right. impossible. It's and so then I went into a private school that was a distance learning program for all of eighth grade through high school. 
um, so that I could actually graduate with a GPA and take the ACT and be accepted into a school without having to go. And why we go that route? Like why the distance learning route? And so the distance learning route, I honestly um, don't know exactly how they picked this school. My diploma is actually from California. Um, but I think they shopped around and tried to find schools that were like very like open to still keeping within the same system that we had, which was keeping me at home and then just having it more structured rather than me having to go physically to school. Because that was one of the big things. Like, I feel that the opportunities that I had by being able to be homeschooled were that I would finish my math and my reading and whatever stuff my mom or dad set out for me and that kind of thing. But then I was given a lot of room to explore things like photography, which I ended up being in that career, you know, and a lot of like creative creativity and stuff. And like, there was just times that my parents just like, let us play. Like you finish your work, (laughs) just like (laughs) go play, you know, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And you probably got to lunch. Yeah, yeah, I did. But true. Yeah, but growing. But the tension was going to my room, so, you know, like. Can I ask you one thing? I think that your parents were fabulous, and look at you. You turned out so amazingly well. What about the socialization aspect? Right. That's always the the question. So um, trust me, I went to some homeschool groups that we like went and were like, okay, there is a socialization problem happening with some of the people that we interacted with, for sure. Um, But on my end, I never really felt that way um, because I like went to a martial arts class. I was with kids for like a couple hours a day, like three days a week. I went to Boy Scouts, other groups that were there and things like that. So I think the socialization thing is kind of overhyped. Like if it's going to be a parent that is going to like keep their kids out of social things to start with, that's going to be a problem whether they're in public school or not. Like letting kids not go do activities outside of a schooling environment, I think is just a problem in general. So my parents were very much aware of like the stigmatism that comes with homeschooling and not being around a bunch of kids and stuff. Um, but you know they like encouraged us to go out and do activities when there were local plays that would come to town. We would go try out for local plays and those kinds oh, of things. Wow. Wow. So that's um, like ideal. Yeah, it was really it was really well set up. I mean, I still feel super lucky. Obviously, I'm biased because I came from that side of things and never went through the public side of things until I got to college. Um, and that's probably a whole another topic. But going to college was like university culture in America. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> but college was like a huge like slap in the face because. Up to that point, I was basically handed the syllabus, a bunch of books, and been like, go, go. you're on your way. You know, do your pace. And so, you know, I'd finish, like, reading and literature and science, and I'd save math till last, and, like, just hated doing yeah. that. But, yeah. like, you know, then I got to college and was, like, forced to, like, physically go to class, take notes, and then, like, be, like, going at this slow pace and, like, listen to someone lecture about the mm. thing that I was supposed to read in the book. And it wasn't how you learned. Yeah. And I was like, this is so such a waste of my time is all I felt. I was like, you could just hand me the book and give me the assignments and just like let me do it. I don't need to listen to someone talk. So I felt that way too though. I went through public education and I loved it. But I did feel that way about college. College. I thought just give me know. the books. Yes. I can do yeah. it. Yeah. I just felt that at an earlier age. You know, I just felt that because that was how I learned the whole way through. Right. You know, I mean it was like I literally would look, get, I was always excited my like freshman, all the way through high school to get my like syllabus and be able to like flip through and say, what assignment am I going to do in like week 18 or whatever? And be like, I want to be able to get to that so that I would do all the other stuff ahead of time. And like my teachers would just let me work at my own pace, which also let me like work a part-time job going through high school as well, because I could do my school at night uh, on my own. So... I just think it's mad fascinating that your parents were public school teachers where you lived, yeah. and they were like, psych, not for you, yeah. we're going to do this. 
So I, that begs the question of how vital maybe in this because like let's be real our education system is behind and if we're comparing to like other western nations they say that's fallacious too really yeah who are they the expert she was the uh, former secretary to uh the um oh like our secretary of education. education she said well, if you I'm really betsy. look at it but no, uh, oh, not betsy because i just think well Oh, God. This is what I've read. I don't know this to be true, right? Yeah. But having traveled, I, what I see is that other countries are more into innovation and STEM. Less yeah. creative. We are, we are much more of a, of a liberal arts um, society as well. That's Less so, though, I think, nowadays. I nowadays, wish we were more creative. Yeah. I, think, I do wish we were more yeah. creative. But, like, yeah, it's like liberal arts, but I think that, that kids are funneled into there and don't actually know what that means. Like, because you're not weaned or funneled in a way, like even the New York school system, at least where you know you kind of could be like engineering or could, could be like like drama. And you have these pathways that you get to because you showed some interest. That could be an interesting right. thing to add as a national kind of, not panacea, but thing. I guess I was curious really about school choice. Because I can go on a tangent. I was curious about school choice and like maybe if you're on the co if you're lucky enough to be growing up on the coastlines in a big cosmopolitan city, the likelihood of you ha being um, or having the closeness of better education or more well-rounded education, I don't know the per particular jargon, might be better than if you're in the middle of the country where your parents may want to homeschool you. You know, like I looked for a summer in KCMO and everybody was homeschooled. It was the first time I came across homeschool people. And I found out that like all those states homeschool. Yeah. So it like made me think, oh my God, so no wonder like so many schools are just not even failing. They're just closing because right. no yeah. one's going. So like what about that? Could that be something that we well, institute? Well, I, I graduated with an education degree and really didn't plan to use it. It was just kind of like fast track out of college kind of thing. Just yeah. wanted my degree. And, but like one of the things I learned during that system, I remember taking, um, I don't remember what education course it was, but they were talking about the requirements for like what your GPA had to be coming out of college to be a teacher. And it was like a 2.2 or 2.3 in Oklahoma. Yeah, right. I'm sure it varies across the country, yeah, yeah. but it was like, that's like a C, like yeah. C average. Right. C's right. get degrees, like, basically. Yeah. like D's right. in there as well. Like, right. And like, I'm like, okay, so then these teachers are getting out and they didn't do, they're not showing that they performed very well in school. Some of them obviously could have, not all of them are coming out with a 2.2 or something. Yeah, correct. But like, that's the baseline that we're saying is acceptable to be able to teach other kids. But then at the same time, then those teachers are going into a system where they're getting paid something like $25,000 a year right. for a job that takes way more work than from just between the hours of when the kids are actually four hours. You know, right, right at this table, we've all hit, or you guys have all hit upon the solutions I read about. Mm. And the solution, every one of you hit upon it. Oh. Like you're saying, teachers aren't being as well trained. So right. they're saying we need better trained yeah. teachers. Mm -hmm. The other thing is about... Um, School choice, you were saying? Yeah. Okay, so school it choice. It intrigues me. Yeah, it does intrigue. But they were saying for a while, which, which was really cool, you hear about these magnet schools. Right. Like mm -hmm. if you're artistically yeah. inclined. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, and they thought that this was going to be the, you know, the be all end all. It was going to be really fabulous. But then they said, how young do they start? How do you right. know what somebody's propensity is? So they were saying to save those magnet schools for high school. What do right. you think about that? 
They, yeah, it's, they one of those, it's, it's one of those, I don't know if you're from, but I know in New York, like, that was one of those, like, oh, this is a great idea, and then they implement it atrociously, yeah. and then when it fails, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, what are we going to do now? And then they come up with some grand idea, but then they don't follow through as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that school choice, I don't know, because, like, it's a growing thing between, like, Montessori schools, that's another growing thing. Waldorf schools. Yeah, Waldorf schools, mm-hmm. um, homeschooling, that's another growing thing. Unschooling. Unschooling. I think I was that? about like world schooling where like parents will literally just take their kids and travel around the world. Oh, man. I, I, wish. Yeah. I wish. I wish. I wish. Yes. I don't know why. Yes. I, yes. I came across these people on the road, yeah. yo. Wow. Yeah. So, so like, you know, there's so many different What's options. Unschooling? Huh? World, 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 world schooling. Unschooling is when there is no real curriculum. You go out and you have yeah. playtime. The kid wants to go to Shakespeare in the Park. You go to Shakespeare in the Park. You, yeah. you like learn how to do Please. things day to day. You go grocery shopping. You learn how to grocery shop. You learn how to cook for a group of ten. It's just like day to day. The only options world actually I think get you guys hot. You do. Yeah, you need money for world schooling. You cannot be well unless you get grants because. You you know, that's the thing. There's money out there. There's money out there for that. That's fabulous. Oh my God. This is so a question. Yeah, I go back to you know? so. But I think there can be an argument to be made for unschooling. Like, I think yeah. the idea of taking someone and completely not educating them in some kind of formal way, yeah, yeah. Formal way. is probably yeah. not ideal for most people. But also, we were just talking prior to this yeah. starting about like, what happens if I have to like fix a, a tire or a toilet or sew something? Like, or do my taxes. Like, nobody yeah. taught you how there's to do it. No, there's nothing. There's no financial literacy. There's no, there's no, no life. There's none of that. But there you used know? to be such courses. Right. Ah. Yeah, like, I home ec, the only thing I remember yeah. from home ec is learning how to sew those little cushions. So, like, you know, if I get a hold <laughs> of my jeans, I can do that. But, you know, like, I wish I had somebody that, you know, taught me how to do taxes, how to, like, manage, you know, a budget, how to do my checkbook, how to, you know, fix a car tire. You know what I need to do, you know how to have a savings account, like all these different yeah, things that you need, they don't do. And like you know, it's unfortunate because then we run into a situation where now we have teachers that are working three, four jobs and still can't afford to make their driving lift. You know, it was, yeah. it was a, a time cover story last year. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm a bartender, and I work in like Walmart, and yeah. I can't afford my own. It was in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, it was in Oklahoma. Oklahoma was the state that had the lowest teacher pay in the country. Right. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. the lowest yeah. teacher pay. Yeah. Yeah. Private school pays starting at 45. And what's happening because of that is that most of my, I have friends that graduated to be teachers. Do you think they stay in Oklahoma? No. Nobody wants to get paid that. Paid no. that. So what happens is, is then you have a mass exodus right. of education of people who are actually good with, you know, they graduate to be good teachers and have the GPA to prove that they're good teachers. And they're so overqualified for, for the positions in Oklahoma to, to, in terms of the pay that they go to Arkansas or they go to Texas or they even go to Kansas. They just go to bordering states. Right. And mm-hmm. so then what's left is the teachers that kind of either barely making the cut or can't meet the requirements of these other states so then it's just like this recur- like there were school yeah. districts that were going down to four day school weeks because we because the the money in the uh in oklahoma was so mismanaged yeah right. that it was supposed to be like all of this money was getting funneled into education and then they got to the end of the year and they're like oh sorry that money is just not available anymore mm-hmm. and so then all these school districts like the only way they could afford was either to lay off teachers or say hey we're going to cut you down to four days school work weeks you know 
And it's like, then it's just like this rolling ball effect. And so the question is still there. I have a, places like this where could it, look, we live in a capitalist society and we're consumeristic, we're materialistic. The thing is money makes the world go round. I'm sorry that that it's is, the reality. you know, it's the reality yeah. of the situation. So would it be a, such a negative and deplorable thing to have charters and private schools put in a state like this where it's just abysmal in any other way? Why can't we put that money in public education It's a money machine. Like I was saying before, it's a money thing. It's not about like, oh, the quality of it. Nobody cares about it. You know, I'm not saying nobody cares. I'm talking about higher up. Nobody nobody takes that into account. Even if you, you know, go on a governmental level. I've been in meetings with people arguing about, oh, this person's in a picture with the governor. This is what we're calling a meeting about? Like, who gives a fuck, right. you know? If it's about recruiting teachers, why are we arguing about who's in this picture? Right. You know, yeah. so right. a, a lot of the times we have all these people with agendas and it's a big money scheme, right. you know, it's to wash money between the banks. And so you look at a market like New York, it's oversaturated. Even in Jersey, it's oversaturated. Right. Philly, oversaturated right. with charters. Right. There's no oversight. But then you go into a, you know, a state like Oklahoma, where there's almost a desert because property, we also right. have to take that into account. Yeah. We also have to take like, Incarceration rates because we all know the school to prison pipeline, right? You know, like it's all these things that are funneling in, and it's like it's a money scheme, it's a way to, you know, generate more free labor Mm -hmm. by not having teachers because if your child is not educated, what are they gonna do? Work. They're gonna work, and if they're not gonna work, they're gonna go to the streets. Yeah, but you know what the corporate reformers believe? They believe that. If we if we uh, help education, it'll rid poverty. But actually, the way they're gearing it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It and really, the, really doesn't work. And the other thing, oh, sorry. No, I just wanted because Vic was saying the charter schools and the, um, you know, the why don't we just put the money? The issue is we know public schools work because they work in the wealthier neighborhoods. Right. So we know they work. So it is about the money. So that's the idea. Talk about that. Right. Which is why why the public schools work in the wealthy neighborhoods? Because the parents are putting the money in. It's not the government's not doing it. Like there's PTAs that have slush funds of like millions of dollars because you know, like on the Upper West Side, where they have this, where they're having this big discussion right Right. now about desegregating the the districts, right? Right. Right. Where it's like, oh, we don't want these brown kids going into this school, which are across the street, because Mm -hmm. now you know they have these wealthy neighborhoods and they want to keep it that way, which. In all fairness, it's understandable, right? But then we have to, you know, the other thing that I was I was trying to make is that it's not only a money scheme for, like, the corporate banks, but it's also for the colleges. Because now charter schools, if you notice, any charter school you go to, they're always college, college, college. Yes, no trade schools. schools no. Which no is Which is terrible, terrible because now yeah. there's a drought of, like, every trade you could possibly Correct. think of. Correct. And then when you think about that drought, now they're charging people, like, four, six times, like, eight times the amount of what you would normally, you know, pay because who's going to do your work for you because nobody's going to these schools so now you look there's you know it's been you know covered in news stories now where they're talking about how there's now a big push for like people to go back to trade schools because they're being filled out people are people are are going to college but not finishing and if they are finishing they're finishing with a lot of debt which is then causing poverty which is then causing crime and then so on and so forth here's the the whole major thing though they're saying that we need equality in education unfortunately the biggest funds go to the wealthiest area Areas, right mm-hmm. but they're saying who needs it the most are the poorer children right. because they don't have the advantages of their parents why aren't you funneling it into that and also you know encourage those children that might be mechanically inclined right. that might be you know I remember one time they, they said one little boy that I had was mentally slow mm-hmm. this is how they phrased it mm-hmm. mentally slow I'm stuck at a light one time watching this little boy just happened to be stuck in traffic watching this little boy who was five Take apart a bike, 
and put it back together again. Right. The kid was a genius yes. mechanically. Yeah. So, you know, so like, why aren't we nurturing these? Well, and I think I think there's a I think growing up, even for me, there was a stereotype that vocational schools was, was yeah. like the pop was like smart enough for college. Right. That was a stereotype that, that reigns true. But it yeah. is now where we're finding that people are going to school and like you said, they're not finishing, or if they are finishing, they're in tremendous debt. And then ironically, do end up back in some of those trades, yes. just, yep. just not well-trained enough to actually mm -hmm. move up anywhere or try to be able to make enough money to survive. Like whether, if they had gone almost through a vocational school in the beginning, mm -hmm. maybe get, getting enough skills to actually be skilled and maybe own their own company or anything in that regard, but like, Instead, we look at, or at least where I grew up, that was just the stereotype. It was like the kids that went to vocational school were like, all right, these kids are problem kids. Like, they're not yeah. going to make it in college. Let's put them in here, and maybe they'll be able to That's get a true. job that they can actually survive someday. That was just so, the stereotype. Philly, Philly has an interesting makeup. Like, I often think a lot about vocational training and college training. I wanted to go to college because I wanted to study Thomas Aquinas, plain and simple. Oh, wow. Like, true, outside true. of that, like, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do when I graduated. Right. And so I had an... Like my grandfather was a carpenter, and so like working with your hands was a thing. But right. in Philly, you know, you're you're looking at when I was a kid, most of my friends, their fathers were in the union, mm -hmm. they were laborers, and so Correct. we knew that. However, what was being pushed to us was college, not necessarily in the school, but from our parents. Mm -hmm. Like the way I think about it is, after World War II, the GI Bill gets pushed in. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to college now for free. At least white people are going to college yeah. for free, mm -hmm. and then all the other communities are like this is the beacon for us to get out. All you're doing is saying a college degree is needed for a low-level job, whether it's in business or anything else. And so now that, that lie is being pushed 70 years later. Yeah. And what we have is a system that is oversaturated with schools. Um, all those small liberal arts colleges are about to be put out. But they had to change their curriculum based on the high school feeding system that's coming in so they could compete for it. And so what I end up seeing, so I worked in both university admissions and as administrator in high school. And what you see is it's a battle of power and equity. The communities that need the resources have the voices, but they, they don't have the capital. Mm -hmm. And the so for example, West Philadelphia being gentrified over the last 15 years. All of the people that come in and move and buy, they're like, we love it, this is great. But the moment the kids turn eight, what do they do? Private they run to the suburbs. The they That's move them to private school. And so what ends up happening is we get a financial drain, yep. a brain drain, yep. and on top of that, to entice people to come in and develop, you're giving them tax abatement. So we're losing an entire tax base that is building up the city that had us take on a significant amount of debt that is then going to saddle all of the poor communities in Philadelphia with this debt for the next two generations. Mm. And so you're looking at power versus equity. And so now what are people saying? We need people to join these union jobs. My buddy is a manager at a, um, at a port. The union position to sweep the floor pays $35 an hour. Wow. I want to sweep floors. I want to sweep that floor for $35 an hour. Right? Because once you get in, it's guaranteed overtime. And so you're going to make, the, on average, $35 an hour. And if you end up being a machine operator, crane operator, lift operator, you're making a ton of money. And you and don't even have to know how to read. Right. And the thing is, you don't have to work that long. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, like maybe if you're doing some of the harder stuff like being a longshoreman, you're going to wear your body mm -hmm. out. You're yeah. making $80,000 a year at 22. Longshoreman. Wow. Yeah. Like, so, so we have this, in, like we see it in Philadelphia. And so what they tried to do was the charter schools would get 
a union to back them, but then that's kind of corrupt. And then you get, you get like this independent money funneled by a union. That's corrupt. And so like school choice, depending on where you are, like rural communities, right. I don't know how that would play out. Choice? And then, and well, and I don't think there is choice in general. Like you get a charter school pop up, they got a new building, they get new teachers that are actually paid a little, well, a little bit more, not necessarily well, they're being worked to the bone still, right. but you feel the sense of newness and hope. And so right. you're throwing a kid in this school, but then when they want to go to college, what happens? Oh, that's a new school. We don't know how they rate yeah. when you're going for college admission. Right. So we can't admit you. Yeah. Yeah. And you see those kind of things. So then this, this it, it all just goes right back to power and equity at the community level. And I think rural communities are probably better positioned by and large in the country than cities. Because there's less people. Mm-hmm. They just need to organize. Right. And once they do that, they can get more. But like in Philadelphia, you got a million people screaming and hollering. Yeah. It's so hard to figure out how to get in without being super corrupt. What about so. the idea of online education? I'm all about it. Okay, so like, just hear me out for a moment. Because I'm thinking like, <laughs> you've been like, and there's Skillshares, there's Linda's, there's Khan Academy, there's I don't you know how mean. many other yeah, things yeah. there are, right? Where, where, uh, tenured or very well experienced educators are creating their curriculum online okay so yeah. they are legitimate you know that's just something on the internet yeah. and anybody anywhere can take advantage of these classes so if you're a Chinese kid that's learning English you could take this Khan Academy class too just like this kid in Oklahoma can and just like this kid in like San Mateo like let's say so what if we're in these poor communities and let's hope that there's a public library at minimum what if money is because money obviously is the thing right so like if money is funneled into the public library and we have an influx of computers and now we can have kids that come in and take their courses there as opposed to having to go to a school where they're it's not going to be funded <laughs> so it's going to like become dilapidated in a few years the charter school pops up it pops down it falters like could that be an interesting intermediary option but the internet is going to be the future period so like everyone's going to be learning online for those of you that are brick and mortar people, I hear you and I love you. No, I got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, this is how it's going to chalk anymore in school. Correct. You have the yeah. smart board, the smart board and it's like, what about that? Yeah. So I helped, I worked with a group that opened a school that was like that. It oh. was online, delivered with teachers to reinforce what they were learning. I'm a big fan of that. Because you still need the expertise in the room. Like your parents were trained teachers. So if they didn't know the answers, they knew how to get them. Mm -hmm. So like you still need some sort of guide in the room. I agree. The the problem I run into with online education is in that model, like the library model, it's you're presupposing that the communities that need the education have the infrastructure to support online learning. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so it's like my library in the neighborhood I grew up, mm-hmm. they just got internet. Like, real, reliable internet. They had a dial-up computer, and we could go there and hang out on the computer. Oh, damn. But they just got reliable internet. Oh, internet's out today. You can't you can't do your work. Yeah. And so now you've got a whole community of people in that area who are like, we need to apply for jobs, and we need to learn online, too. And so going back to the equity thing, it's like now we have to figure out where do we put the resources to get the infrastructure for the thing. Because if it's not called a school, it's still a place of learning that requires the support of tax dollars that people don't want to give to education because they want more money in their paycheck. Can I just bring up something that's going to blow your mind? Because I, I agree with yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 okay, here's something weird. 
I was doing some tutoring. I retired from teaching uh, about 800 years ago. But anyway, not really. A few years ago. Yeah, there it is. But anyway, so I missed the kids and I wanted to tutor someone. Do you know what I found out? This blew my mind because I love technology. He complained because he felt that there was too much media. Yeah. Too much media. He also said he didn't like the Kindle. He liked the feel of the book. I was like, whoa. That's my kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he didn't like it. It's, it's, he, a, it's a movement. Yeah. yeah. It's, a movement. it's like I was shocked that he was going back to oh, school because my mind is a little bit blown. I was like, not my like I because I, I mean I live and work on computers just just daily. I'm the person that like goes to the eye doctor and they're like, how many hours in front of the screen? I'm like, oh, 80? I don't know. Like you know, <laughs> but like. I also think that there's something with the online schooling, because you were talking about like my parents supporting me, like being right. behind the scenes kind of thing. But I also think that it's something about how you get raised in that yes. online schooling, when there's not someone there to facilitate, even with my parents there to facilitate, I still had to be the one to be self-driven right. enough to go do work. And I think that somewhat our schooling system doesn't encourage people to be self-driven. It all gets right. handed to you and says, here you go, here's your assignment. Yeah. So, like, I think the idea of having an online school, like what you're saying, like a right. library setting or something, could work. But it's going to take, like, uh, almost like a movement of being able to teach kids to go learn. Be accountable. And be accountable. Because, like, it, it is. Like, I work with so many people who are freelancers, and they're like, like, the general stereotype of freelancers is they're always behind. They don't have their, they don't have their shit together. Like, they, you know what I mean? And yeah. they're not, they're always like, they can't stick to a schedule, all those kinds of things. And I'm like... I don't fit that model, but I grew up in a way that my mom was like, listen, like, you got two assignments to do today, so, like, you better get them done. Like, and, and that's that. that. And that's that. And, like, it was like, here, here, go. You have to do it and figure out how it's going to get done. Come to me if you need help, but otherwise, you're on your own. And so I think that in our schooling system, that's not really taught as much. You expect that your kid is going to go to a school, they're going to go to a teacher, and the teacher is going to teach them. They're going to take that information. And they're right, going to so back. parenting is hands-off right yeah. Exactly. exactly. So the, the, I, like, oh. the question that always pops in my head then is where where did that shift occur in education, right? Mm-hmm. So this, this conversation about being self-driven yeah. would not have occurred through the 1960s and 70s. No. Mm-hmm. What changed? That's what I'm curious Technology. about. Technology. But like, what about it? I think the implementation of technology and learning, because, you know, we were talking about that kid said, okay, part two of mind-blowing. I had to teach him his high school curriculum. I loved everything they gave me. I loved all the media. I was like, man, this is incredible, and he's complaining about it. I think the reliance on technology and all of these different videos, I think it changed then. I agree, because I, the first thing that comes to my mind when you, when you ask this question is, I had to take keyboarding. And I, I, I don't know, it's just like the first thing in my mind. And I thought, oh, well, I guess if I have to take this, this everybody has now decided that this is going to be the future that I'm going to be living. Like, I'm going to be in front of a computer no matter what it is that I'm doing. So I better, like, get the, what was it, you know? Yeah, like, A-S- 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 I better get that done right. J-K-L is the You know. And having that instead of handwriting or, or the home X or the whatever. And then coupled with that, also what I thought of is, you know, I was working in Park Slope in a yoga studio and in Brooklyn and um, the parents that came in with their kids at the four o'clock hour right after school, you know, the, their kids didn't have an hour that wasn't accounted for. Oh, that's interesting. And so um, I guess that makes me think of 
like technology and like the computer and also hovering helicopter parents yes. at the same yes. like time. Good point. And uh, I wonder if that coincides. That's my answer at least. Like yeah. I think that was the time. And so what time was that? When like oh five to like oh eight. I graduated high school in oh eight. So in and around that time, because that's when I had to take a lot of computer classes, is what mm-hmm. I recall. And my parents weren't hoverboards. I mean, my mom was a teacher, so she was like, you, you got it, it's fine. But um, other parents were too much, calling teachers up, yelling at teachers. Okay, and we're in Bergen County, so like, you know, not the whole county is in Albany County, and certainly where I grew up in Hackensack was not in Albany, so just like to have parents like that was like, oh, no. I think you're bringing up a really good point. Like, what about the point of parents in, in education yeah. and also? I should there be a, more? That's exactly good. What he was, you know, kind of jumping off of your point, I think what's missing with education is that, like, we don't talk about, like, how adults were, uh, are actually educated and how we grew up and then taking that into account and evaluating. Because mm-hmm. I found, like, a lot of the times, like, it's not if the children are struggling, Nine out of ten times, the parents are struggling with them. So, like, how do we then address that issue? And, like, how do we support them and give them more, like, you know, whatever it is, even if it's, like, remedial, like, learning or remedial reading, you know, like, maybe not phrasing it that way, but if you hear remedial, it's like, oh, damn, don't. What are the night classes? Yeah, you know, like, night classes or even, like, hey, you know, come learn with your student. Like, this is, you know, like, schools will do curriculum night, like, okay, this is what we're going over, but then we don't ever actually say, do you understand, like, what this is, you know, mom, dad, grandparent, whoever, do you understand, like, what this means, like, what your child is going to be learning? Do you have questions? Will you be able to support them when they take their homework home? Are you going to know, like, how to, you know, help them when we're not around? You know, because, you know, I know from my, you know, my own experience that, you know, I was not, I can only go but so far, you know, as educators, we can only go but so far. So I think, like, also addressing and, like, allowing more, resources and access for parents to get involved in education is definitely key. Without being a hoverboard, but being involved and like taking yeah. some onus. When yeah. I taught inner city, I, yeah. do you teach inner city? Yeah. yeah. Right okay. Now. So the problem there was, although I found so incredibly embracing and so loving and so wonderful, but they had to work. Yeah. Because they couldn't they have no time. And there was a lot of language barrier. Oh, so yeah. it wouldn't I think those parents would have loved to have been involved yeah. and educated yeah. with their child. Yeah. They just didn't I have the opposite right. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. And then yeah. parents yeah. not being able to even go to a school yeah. to support their kid when they get like an award of the month. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's like starts to train on the kids as well. Oh, like all sure these like little okay. things, it takes a toll on the kids, it takes yeah. a toll on the school community. And so those are the things we need to really address. So, and it kind of going off of your point about the technology, I think as humans, we just love, like, to be able to touch things. Yeah. And so, like, right. now, like, you know, like, yeah. you know, like it's, yeah. it's yeah. just what we love. Like, when yeah. we first, like, when I was first coming up, like, I had, like, the first, like, DOS computers and, like, right. having to do the floppy oh, disk. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, yeah. now, like, you know, like, yeah. I learned cursive. I learned, like, how to, you know, the ASDF. Oh, right. But then now I have kids that are, like, Oh, what's this? And they look at me writing in cursive, like, oh, I want to learn that. Right. But they took that out of schools. Right. And I'm like, and it's crazy because I just learned this yesterday, but like, uh, people that take notes and cursive in college actually retain twice as much information right. oh, yeah. because they're writing it faster, you know, because the words link and everything. Oh, so. so, like, you know, it's, it's a hunger That's for like things much. that, you know, like kids know like what they want out of education. Um, and so what we really need to take more, you know, like listen to them, we're like, oh, okay, you want to learn cursive? I'm excited to teach that. Like, oh, y'all want to learn? Cool, I got you. 
You know, but then, like, I know that's not something that, an opportunity that everybody in every school gets yeah, to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate because kids get stripped, then they're sitting in front of a uh, screen all day. You know, and the only time they get to touch something is, like, a test or, you know. But also, so. could you, because of Common Core, Common Core is still in effect, right? Yes. yes. Okay. yes. Right. yes. Like, I'm like, ooh, I've been gone for a minute. It's independent. <laughs> Yeah. But my question is like, if you want to do that as an educator, knowing your you know students, you know them face to face and what they want and what they want to see, you don't have the like creative license to take your on your paper. Ad- on paper, I have to do A, B, C, D, right? But me as an educator, if and this is something I tell people, if you really want to be in this field, you have to love kids. You have to give your all. So true. I make it my business to find ways to give them what they want. Okay. Because, A, I know what it's like to be to somebody to say no to somebody. And, you know, like, that effect will yeah. take, you know, like, that's something that was for our kids for life. You know, like, mm-hmm. and we don't know. That brain that I said no to could have, like, then turned around and found a cure for cancer. Or they could have figured out, like, you know, new infrastructure for the American, you know, whatever, right? Whatever genius thing that is in their brain that hasn't been birthed yet. So I find my ways. I know that there's quality educators that do that, but they're not supported. And that's the biggest problem that we have. And to your question about Common Core, it... I had no problem with it per se. Like I like the, the structure and the uniformity of it all because I think like that is something that education, particularly in America, diagnostically, needed, right? right but you know, like yeah, on paper, like okay, practice. yes, by third grade you should know how to do A, B, C, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, right. But then my thing was uh, some of the methodology that was being taught to the kids on how to use it, and especially when it came to math, I was like, this is atrocious. Why are they going through these fifteen steps to figure out? 15 times 2. Okay. They okay. Could just, you know, instead of they break it apart, like, oh, 10 times 5. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's too much. You know, and then the kids get frustrated because it right. takes so long, right. and then they, they're thinking about the time because right. they're looking at the clock, and then they're like, oh, my God, I got to do this. Oh, you know, and I see it all the time, and it frustrates the kids to the point that they don't want to learn. And what education in America right now is doing, it's making children not want to learn, it's making teachers not want to teach, it's making parents just not, you know, like not unaware and aware of what's going on. And so, and the administrators get frustrated because they're not hitting the results that they want. So everybody's being frustrated and want to quit across the board. And that, it, it kills a lot of passion, it kills creativity, it kills genius. Yeah, it's true. And can I just piggyback on that? Because you know when I went back in because I was missing the kids and I was tutoring what I did notice was the lack the low morale of the teachers like yeah. you're on fire oh, man and I bet those kids adore you even your look I hate to say it you know they love you they love you so like that's what I noticed about it. and that's why in a way online as much as I love technology but that relationship, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that should never go away. Yeah, the, the school I work with, that that piece of having the human there is the deciding factor why mm-hmm. parents would put them there. Yeah. Um, Pennsylvania has one really big online charter school, and any kid can enroll in it, and That's you work from home. Yeah, know. it's terrible. It's a terrible oh. online academy oh, because okay. you don't oh, have yeah. the support of a real teacher. So, for example, well. if I'm learning math, I'm learning the times table. I go in today, and this is my instructor in the lesson, in the video lesson. When I reach out for support today, I get Amy. When I reach out for support tomorrow, I get Brad. And so the kids go, I'm done. I want to learn from Amy again or the person in the video. 
And yeah. so you have a lot of inconsistency yeah. and you can't build rapport, you can't build okay. trust. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to add is one of the biggest problems I have with Common Core, mm. um, even though it's you, you can now opt out of it, I think Race to the Top is done. Yeah, like so states- yeah, you can opt out. States it's, it's, opt yeah. out. Oh, oh, when, when, when Common Core went into place, only like 40 states did it, and I think right. only like 20 now do it, maybe even less. Good. And oh, good. so, yeah, because yeah, it was like an incentive with Race to the Top in the Obama administration, and that bottomed out when they reauthorized it in 15. But yeah. one of the big things, is what is the purpose of the curriculum? Because no one's talking about why it's being developed. It's like, oh, well, we're last place in math or whatever it is, you know, wherever we rank or English or this. And it's like, well, what are we training students for? Mm. And we're no longer training them for life. We're training them for college. We're not training them to exist in this world. Right. So exactly. And so the yeah. workforce... 20, so education always backs into, it's supposed to back into what the workforce needs. The problem is you don't know what the workforce needs until it's too late. And so now with the move to automation, you need people with more soft skills right. and more like people skills yeah. and all these other things that they're not getting right. in the school system. And now they're like, STEM. And it's like, no, we needed that 25 years ago. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And so what ends up happening is you're in a situation where you're like, on paper, I got no problem following the structure. When the kid wants to learn handwriting or how to memorize the times table, when I found out kids weren't memorizing that anymore, really? it blew my fucking mind. Yeah. I had to sit there and memorize this big 12 yep, by 12 yep, chart. Yep, in the yeah. back of the composition. That's right. yep, I right. literally <laughs> broke that down to my student. I'm like, you don't know it? Open your notebook and this right is how I learned. Almost one line every night. One line every night. And then you know, just memorize, memorize, memorize. They don't do that. They don't do that. specific one that was printed out we I'll never forget it was Anthony Mates cut it out and pasted it in our book mm -hmm. and every week we had to book, like blank it out mm -hmm. right. and she would really? us yeah. know it. and hey. so now it's like you don't know your time yes. what are you Anyway, yeah, so like, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so what happens is that like technology because we're so on the go, on the go, yeah, on the go. It's just like fast. everything gotta be fast. So everything busy. gotta be quick. Yeah. Everything has to fit within this box. You know, yeah. even now the Twitter is like, you know, I think Twitter was really the start, the, the beginning of the dumbing down of America <laughs> because like you had to shrink everything into 140 characters yeah. just before they added in like yeah. you know extend the old one. What grammar? What grammar rule am I gonna break? Yeah. Right. You know, like, right. you know yeah. just to yeah. make you know make whatever your thought fit. You know, so yeah. now you know, and then you translate that to like how people like communicate in text and. You know, even on the phone, like I have people like, you know, I say it out loud myself, like I have BRB you know, as I walk out. LOL. And like people understand what I mean right at. Oh, right? Okay. But like, you know, that's. <laughs> we're, that's we're still gapping you know, here. Right? It's, it's become a new language. Like, it's subtitles. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. But like, if that's that's how like we, we're we're becoming more of like a simplistic. And it's a good and bad thing because in a way it's like its own new language, right? Yeah. Because the language that we're we're used to, or you're used to, she's used to, right? Is not the same as it was like forty years ago, oh, thirty no. years ago. Like there's certain words and like you know you can look at even old comic books and I'm like, oh, they said that. I mean, it means something totally different than what it does now. Yeah. So like, what it is is that we're forcing a new language and we're creating a new language. But the problem is we're not backing why they still need to know the old one. Um, and why they still need to know all of these things and yeah. you know maybe we should start and maybe that's something I didn't even think of maybe that is something that we start implementing as a course is like phone conversation or not conversation etiquette yeah. right like if you're texting your boss you don't text your boss like you know in acronyms it's just, and, yeah. you know like that's, slang that's and things like that school, your right parents, your guardian whoever yeah. should we doing taking some we can, there but then like you yeah. know everybody's pulled in 50 different directions you know we have parents that work like you know eight to six you know, they gotta, you know, come back, pick up their kid if their kid is lucky enough to even get after school, right? right. Then it's yeah. like, you know, the stress of like, okay, and everybody's being told something. Like, all day the kids are being told something by somebody. Yeah, then your parents right. are being told something by yeah, somebody yeah, every yeah. day because we're all working for somebody. Somebody right. has a boss of right, right, right. So it's like, we're all being told, 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 told. And by the time everybody gets home, it's like, nobody wants to have a conversation about yeah, sex. Right. Nobody wants to have a conversation about what they did in school. It's just like, all right, are you okay? You alive? Did you eat anybody? No. Okay, eat, do your homework, go to sleep. Right. You know, and rinse, you know, rinse, repeat the whole exactly. cycle. But to talk on that, there was one point that you made in there, and I think talking about like seeing that, I'm like seeing that chart for the first time. That, she, that, that was a wonderful moment. moment. That was a magical wow. moment. Yes. <laughs> but like, but like, it's talking about things that program? you you learn. Like you're talking about like kids getting frustrated oh, learning math. And like math was like a huge struggle for me, like always has been. It just wasn't something that made, just didn't make sense to me. And so like, but the way my parents broke it down, like I remember my mom when I was like 14, I got like my first like checking account. And I was like, she's like, all right, if you're on a checking account, you get to learn how to balance a checkbook. That's how this is going to, this is going to happen. But like, we were talking about this before we all started the interview and stuff. And like, we're like, no, like this like we don't learn things like that in school and so i think kids have this innate ability to be able to be learning things like why do i have to put this in this box to make this thing come out at the end be like all right well like if you want to know how money works which you're going to have to know how money works you're still going to learn how math works but like you know like learning how triangles all meet together and are all magically symmetrical on one side in certain situations is not going to help you once you get out of school unless you're going to go down that road and into a field where triangles actually have a pertinence in your day-to-day work which is going to be a very small field correct yeah but like it also goes into like i have a friend who's um who's in aerospace engineering so like tons of super super complex stuff 
but he's still so much training has to happen on the job yeah. right. by the time he's done. And so it's like you're seeing it all the way from like low education where you're like, all right, we're going to learn these common core things and you're yeah. going to go through these steps and you're going to learn this stuff because we say it's important. It's not going to be applicable probably when you get to high school and it's probably not applicable when you get to college. Right. Yeah. And then when you get into college, then you're like, all right, you know, I got to go through, you got to go through comp one. And you got to go through American history, yeah. and you got to go through this. Yeah. You're just checking yeah, yeah, more boxes. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, you don't even get to your sophomore year before you start taking courses that are for your field or whatever it is. If you've been able to decide by that point, and they funneled you into something that you want to be, so then it's like, okay, so then you have two more years to do what you're gonna do, and it's like, okay, like um, you have two years really then in college to be trained yeah. for after you've been in school your entire life, and now they're saying, okay, now this is gonna be tailored to. You want to be a you know a mechanic or whatever that would be vocational, but like anything, an engineer, you're like okay, well here's your two years, you know, like if you want to go on and do more schooling after that, then it's actually focused on what you're doing, and you can do your masters, and it's all focused on that one thing. But why does it not start like that early on, or you're not given the options? And it used to, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So a lot of high schools, like again, I really know Philly. Most of the high schools had two tracks. They had the track for the folks that were going to go professional. So it was college, business, education, anything like that. Then they had another track that they called technical. Or and that commercial. Was commercial. And those were the folks that were going to go and be in like the unions and all that kind of right. stuff. Yeah. And you were learning intense things. Like you were learning engineering equations because engineering didn't really have a lot of certification in the early 20th century. So a lot of schools were just given, like you didn't have to go to law school to be a lawyer until the 40s. Right. Like you sit, oh, for, right? you sit for the bar, yeah. yeah. Met doctors, Surprise. doctors. You were just kind of like learning as an apprentice, and so it, it, it all changed when we instituted these things. And so, what Common Core ended up doing was it eroded all of that mm. by being a compromised solution for what kids need to know. Yeah. And so, like I'm sitting there, like I, I get to see this pretty regularly. So I talk to alumni from my high school, and they're like, "Yeah, when I was there, like I was reading all these kinds of things, and I learned how to uh, like the the slide rule." They were using that in junior year in a class. And I'm like, what? You don't know what slide rule is? You've probably seen it in. Uh, uh, no, you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Think about. Um, what's the movie? Hidden Figures. <laughs> oh, I love it. Sure. When they're computing yeah, yeah. it, they have a ruler that has a slider on it. Oh. It's a precision tool to help you figure out a particular formula in, you know, drawing or something like that. So the thing, when, when you're moving a pixel in Photoshop, that's actually a formula that's using a slide rule. On okay. the back end. So that's a problem. So they're doing sure. this manually in a classroom oh, back in the day. So yeah. then if they're like, even if they don't want to be an engineer, they could they could do complex mathematical equations and go on finance. Yeah. And they knew that. And that's the other side of it. Like you were saying, like, why do I need to know triangles? Well, if you're an engineer, well, what does an engineer do? You don't have room for careers right. or talks about that because you're busy trying to teach to a core standard yeah. or a test. Right. And so there's a lot of things that end up getting lost in translation mm -hmm. because we're preparing kids for, I think. I have to ask something because I'm not in the classroom anymore. Mm -hmm. But it used to be, and actually it sounds like it really worked. It used to be there were smaller smaller class sizes. The teacher got to know the student, what they yeah. liked, what they disliked. Yeah. This is in elementary school. Sure. So that by, by the time high school came, they knew if they were going to go into the professions or into the trades mm -hmm. or into the arts. How about now? Is it just... No. No, still 20 plus. No. At least per course. Yeah. Um, if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. I've seen like, you know, classes with 40 kids in them. One teacher. Yep, that's right. Yep, that's um, right. That's insane. That's and so you miss out on being able to have those, to build those relationships in that way. Yeah, you don't get that. Because they're a number. If you do, the, you get to do it. I mean, of course, you, you, you're with them 10 months 
Well, yeah. nine months really out of the year if you count like holidays and stuff. So nine months out of the year, you know, forty, you know, forty hours a week you're with these kids, right? right? So you, of, of course, over time you're gonna build relationships differently with all of them, but you're not gonna get to know them intimately to know like, okay, I think you're not gonna be good with like math and English and all those other things. That's not gonna be your strong suit. You're gonna be a phenomenal boxer one day because I seen how you throw hands, <laughs> yeah. right? All right. You could be a you know phenomenal track star. Right. Now I seen how you broke down those Legos and put it back together, and like you're gonna be a crazy engineer, mm-hmm. right? We don't. What I think, and this is something that I'll kind of maybe convoluted in what you're saying. What I think education should really do is kind of like if we're gonna test kids, assess them for what right. skills they're gonna be good at, yes, and then like tailor like. Math around that. Like, okay, if I'm a I I went to school for journalism. Okay, why would I need to know math? Well, in case you need to like talk to like the school or whatever the case may be, or you know, you know, um, you know, money, all these different things, right? So we don't, but we don't do that. We tailor it towards test, 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 and then graduate, and then what you got to do when you get to high school and middle school, college, test, test, and maybe an essay. But do you know how to write? No. You don't know how to write because you haven't even spent enough time like doing writing and coming up with creative writing. So you yeah. know how to critically think because that's what's the key thing that's really missing out of out of education. I feel is like that critical thinking, and that that comes from not only just like you know, of course, the math and ELA, but I think it also comes from the arts, and that's where like I learned as a kid like how to think a little bit more right. deeper about right. certain things because of the books I was reading or the art I was creating. It wasn't like, okay, here, fill in this, this coloring book picture that I printed offline, off Pinterest. You know, Pinterest, sorry. Right? It was like, okay, here's a blank sheet of paper. This is the skill we're going to learn, but you can implement it how you want to. Beautiful. And then, you know, well, here, take on another, you know, show it off and blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, you could grade the kids on, like, technique, Right? But as far as like the creative talent, I think we should be like utilizing that more because we're we're setting up a lot of children to be failures because we're not tapping into like who they are as people. And Correct. you know, we don't have the capacity for that because there's thirty other kids in the class. But you're, you, you're one giving me you, everybody's so. giving me hope. First of all, I'm not one of those old school there the, they did everything right. I think the few you're the youth, you're the future, I'm with you. I I'm so happy, but you're giving me hope. Because you it's see lit. such, it is, such passion here, such passion. I love it. And yeah. I'm going to post something else because you actually really intrigued me when you said um, STEM was 20, 25 years ago and now it's soft skills, which is really interesting to me. Yeah. One, because I'm all about a soft skill. And two, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's my time, baby, right? And then two, something that I really, really think, it's taken, it's like a, I'm bearing right here, you know? So, and my true Victorian nature is coming out. Study abroad, people to people trips overseas, right? Um, Can you explain what a soft skill is? Most people don't know that. I don't know. That's a pretty cool. Yes. So, soft skills, in my estimation, are people skills, empathy, um, active listening, uh, general public speaking, general communication skills. Uh, those sorts of things that have become uh, eradicated as a result of devices and no one knows how to actually talk to each other, which is <laughs> why we actually have Anderson Street because no one knows how to debate right. anymore right. or discuss or have yeah. a discourse. It's lots of monologues and soliloquies and everybody, me, 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 because we live in a narcissistic time. Okay, obviously I am. So and there is no active listening and then with active listening comes because as you guys are speaking which I have had to really get the practice from doing this again and again is 
I hear what you're saying and I'm thinking about how can I have a follow-up and like I want to dig deeper into this and I know that you said this earlier so how can I connect them and I'm not saying that I've never done that before but it's at a level that I really believe it should have been it, it should have never ceased right yeah. um, but because we live in such a society that is about me and um, I can talk to you from afar anonymously mm-hmm. via Twitter or, or whatever mm-hmm. thing you know what I mean like that what I call that is social skills Yes, correct. So yes, skills, social skills. Exactly. I want to call it soft because it's not like anything. Like it's not. It's not intangible. Yeah, it's intangible. Right. But what she's describing is yes, absolutely right. Semantics. Eradicated because it's not. Do you know that I actually wanted to implement a social skills class when I was this is about eight years ago, and they were like social skills. Right. No, that's taught at home. But I'm saying. Here's like a but bunch of not, kids. But it's not necessarily. Like yeah. to, be able to, say, to be able to sit there and say that social skills are taught at home is to be sitting in a privileged place. Absolutely. Why? Like that's Absolutely. like, because what a lot of people are, you know, like, um, like for example, my dad, this is the closest, because I mean, I come from a privileged place. So like sure. the, the, the closest experience I have is from listening to my, um, my dad talk and doing special education. And a lot of those kids are, he was doing high functioning adults um, who were like, you know, on this kind of like borderline on the spectrum of yeah. like, he's like, like, yeah, a little bit, but also like high functioning, like 90 IQ, 80 borderline. Oh, sure. okay. mm-hmm. And so the problem with those kids is that they do function well in certain ways. And a lot of them would go to trade schools and things like that, and they could find professions and get their way out. But the, the real problem was that their home lives, like, Right. They might not be getting hot meals. Their parents might be in worse mental right. conditions Correct. than they are. So, Correct. so to be Correct. able to say that you are going to get social skills from home, sure, if you have a great family that works awesome and has tons of time to put into those kids, then yeah, you're going to get social skills. But you think that those kids are just going to come to class and then just like learn it when they're set to be like, once again, you're, having, you're being forced to teach to a test. You don't mm-hmm. learn social skills from learning a test. Right. So, you know, there is something to be said for wanting to implement, uh, you know, like, how do you go, like we were just talking, you mentioned it earlier, like don't text shorthand to your boss. Like right. we know that because we've, we've learned it and we've, you know, maybe experienced like, right. maybe that's been bad when I shorthand right. texted my boss. But like other kids aren't learning those things no. or bosses are just becoming like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to accept that this is how oh. we communicate yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And then there's not any kind of like repercussions or reinforcement for like communicating appropriately. Correct. There's no baseline for no. that anymore. Like. I feel like when I get text messages, my dad will do it. My dad will shorthand stuff. And I'm like, Dad, come on. Like, you're, you're used to be a teacher. Like, right, come on. <laughs> like, I know you're in a hurry, but, like, you can spell out two more letters to yeah. do a thing. There's, there's an ad in the subway. I just saw it yesterday, and it was – I don't remember for what company, but I just remember seeing one line, and it was like – you know you were really drunk when you texted your boss daddy last night and he doesn't even mention it the next day. And I was like, oh. why is this the world? Wait, that happened? And I was like, so that happened. I mean, I've never. No confessions. Whoa. Like, that's, it's enough of a thing that it's an ad yeah. to not do yeah. in yeah. the subway. Yeah. We are really millennials and that stereotype is abysmal and I'm not gonna <laughs> let this go. Traveling is imperative and I don't care if like, I don't know where the money's gonna come from, I get it. We don't, everybody's not privileged and so on, but you wanna know something? There, I know that at some point there were kids that you know were delinquents or, or whatever they were and they had to go to military school. How did they get to military school? That's not free. So somewhere, somehow money can be spent. I don't care if it's like on the backs of a family, you know, like families oversee entire drug companies. Why can't families oversee entire uh, educational programs? Like I went to 
um, people to people, two people to people trips. One I think was Germany. Mm. How cool. Lit. And then the second, well, okay, so I went to Germany in eighth grade. I stayed with a family and they were a family of architects. So I stayed in their beautiful home and I walked in and they said, it was a, a mother, father, a daughter who was my age and an older brother. And the parents said, listen, you're here for two weeks in our house. We love you. We love Americans. You can call long distance any day, but you're going to be speaking as much German as you can. So you need to be listening. You need to be at least good morning. Hello, please. Thank you. And then you were going to go grocery shopping the day before you leave and you were going to go by yourself. And I was That's like, awesome. yeah. I was like, okay. I love this, right? Like I, that's yeah, sort of. Can you say it? Those, yeah. Anything? Deutsch. I, I can still say all the numbers. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neunzehn. Woo! And I, I would say hello to people and how are you doing? And they would be like, are you German? And I was like, oh. wow. My accenting is lit. That's not my point. My point actually <laughs> is just like, you know, there's money somewhere. I know that all the questions and all the problems inevitably get down to who holds that pot. And like, we can have this conversation until next week, right? And, yeah. and we can have a, a slew of options and, and things to do and so on. And it's gonna take, I don't know who it's gonna take, because it's not gonna be politicians, because I truly believe that by, by the time you get to the level of politician, you have been corrupted at some point and That's you will continue right. to do so, so, so. Yeah. So who will it be to make Massive change. I also don't know how I feel about movements, it's this, it's but it's us. like individual. Yeah, yeah it's us. this it's here. Like, it's, it's little things that you know made me get to the point that I got to. It was like my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Bratton, him taking my like Mortal Kombat, like some video game thing, and memorizing the Mortal Kombat blood code one day. It was like you know this. I want to learn from you. You all right, right, right. You know, yeah. like it was like you know um, the neighborhood guy who might get drunk all the time, but he's like, yo, look, man, you're not gonna be on the block. Stay off of here. You're going to yep. go to school. Make uh, sure you're going to yep. read because I see you and your brother reading every day. Yeah. You know, it's all of those. It's everybody, like, little things that people drop and have an investment in our kids. That's what's really going to change education. Because the thing is, is that the reason why social skills will never be taught is because we then have to address trauma that kids go through when they're at home and why they're not able to break that whole, right. you know, whatever wall that you're is, right? right? Like, how can I teach you how to communicate that. when your mother's worried about how you're going to eat? But then you got to address too. that. Then you, you, you know, call it trauma, though. They yeah, don't call you know, it trauma. They just, you know, you have home problems, right? All these home problems. That, but that's no, to it's deal trauma, with education. Right? We have to deal with that. We have to deal we, with it. Yeah, problem. we have to deal with it in the sense of, okay, this person is like going to the dean's office every day. All right, so we got to put them on a social work and find out. But then there's only but so much the social work right. you can do because they're held by confidentiality, you know, legally. They're held by all these different standards. So, like, there's only but so much information they can even share, mm -hmm. right? But then, you know, and then the teacher, so on and so forth. So, like, if we're not addressing education holistically, there's never going to be any change. So the, the reason why I say us is because, like, anybody, that's why I'm always bigging up, like, stuff that I'm doing. Like, you know, I'm talking about, yeah, I'm hanging with my kids. And I'm, it's even, like, little things like that because I want people to know, like, anybody can get involved in education. Yeah, right. You don't need to be in a classroom. Anybody could be an educator, right? That's true. And yep. you can always teach a kid something. Right. Takes a village, as they Correct. say. Right. Correct. You know? We don't like, have it ourselves. All of us, anymore. you know? Like hearing you, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that, that. You know, I thought it was just my goddaughter was like, she wants to learn more. Or like my kids that want to learn cursive. I'm like, I didn't know it was like a, you know, a, a, a trend of like 
kids that just don't want to be in front of computers all day long, you know? But then it's like, when I grew up, it was like, shit, I couldn't wait to get in front of a computer to, you know, sneak and play Oregon Trail, but whatever, right? Oregon Trail! Yes! Show my age here. But, you know, it's like, we're, we're not, we don't take them as much like the kids live into account when it, when it comes to education. So it takes everybody. It takes me. It takes you. It takes the people watching this right now. Just do something. Yes. You know, it, 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 it's it just positive. like one conversation. Yeah. Just, keep you know, it positive. And keep it positive. You know, it could be a conversation when you hear some people on the train. It could be like, you know, you stopping a fight when you're seeing that. Yeah. Like, all these different things because they want us to be invested. They want adults to listen to us. They, they have a hunger for it. That's you know one what, thing I can honestly say is that kids have a hunger for, like, caring do. adults. I learned one thing. You know, usually you say, oh, these seminars are boring when you're teachers and mm-hmm. stuff. But I did learn something that was so fabulous. And she said, any child will prosper if they have just one adult. That's it. it doesn't have to be a blood relation. No. It doesn't have to. One adult that believes in that child. Yep. yep. And they can fly. Yep. And I believe that. It's so true. But I, I mean, like, and maybe we can just go around the table and say, but, like, how many teachers do you I feel like it. had, like, a, an impactful, like, you named one. But like, how many going all the way through your education? Oh, can you name multiple ones, or is it just like a couple that stand I out? I, 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 I have three, four. Five. I have three, I can three, say about four. three or four, five. Oh my god! Maybe. Shout them out. They would love that. Okay, yes. so shout out Mr. Brad. I'm actually still friends with him on Facebook. I'm so happy because he's like with the yes. You know, um, to Mr. Serky, who was my ninth grade math teacher, because I was absolutely terrible in math until I took. Um, you know, had class with him, and then I got nothing less than 90s on the Regents, which is like the New York um, uh, math standard, uh, sure. standard I set for high school. Miss um, Blackwell, who taught me about being about being prideful about being black, because there's a lot of shame that the media and the world sure. will tell you, like, ah, you're black, you're never going to be anything, but she was in my first grade teacher, and she was like, always big enough, you know, just be proud of who you are. Um... Now I'll leave it. Oh, and, and Professor Good, Professor Good from college, because A, he gave me, he passed me when I shouldn't have a couple classes. <laughs> but then um, also for Professor Good, because he also, um, you know, really taught me a lot about journalism. And even though I didn't go into that field, I was able to apply a lot of those skills and even start journalism programs with my students. Oh, wow. So that way, you know, like I was, you know, still being a journalist, but still, but, you know, playing it out differently and so being able to like take a lot of the things that he taught me and being able to still keep in contact with him as well um helped me a lot so that's awesome yeah. that's awesome i mean yeah. i have to see my parents right because if i don't include that right one, that would be a problem oh, oh, okay. oh, 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 you too mom yeah parents for sure if i don't include that one being homeschooled it's going to be real bad um but parents were great um outside of my parents my high school teachers um the diskins it was a um husband and wife one was the did all the math and the, the history and that kind of stuff, and the other one was more in like the, the literature and English and science and stuff. And it was just like, they were just like the best duo. They were just like, both of them gave me uh, a lot of freedom to explore. They let me take assignments. I think they saw I came from a background where I wanted to take assignments and fit them into my boxes of things that made them interesting, and they let me do that. And then I would really say also, um, Professor Caldwell in college, it was like, I felt like I went to college and I felt like, I learned a lot about like how the system worked, but I didn't feel like I exited college with a like abundance of knowledge that I was really going to use for the rest of the world. Um, but he taught entrepreneurship in the arts, which was like basically what I do for a living, which was come to New York City, start my own business in the arts, and be successful at it. And he was one of the people that was like I told a lot of people that growing up, 
like as I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna go to New York and I'm gonna try this thing or I'm gonna go somewhere and I'm gonna try this thing. And they're like, oh, that's gonna be really hard. You know, that was the response. Right. And he's like, no, these are the ways that you can do this and be successful doing this. Wow. And it was yeah. like, wow, this is the first person who was like, not only are you going to be able to do this, but you're gonna be really good at it too. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, those are those are some people that really like influenced me as I went along. That's fabulous. Um, Mrs. Camarado, second grade. Duh. Pure love and joy. She sends me a uh, birthday card every single year still. And uh, just pure love. And um, I'll have to go to Mr. Reimer. He was seventh grade math if I... And like seventh grade is where things started to get very dicey in math because my friends started to take like pre-calc and like other advanced level math. And I'd always been in the upper echelon of like academic merit and now I was not there. And I was always like, oh, now I have to go to after school. Oh, that's embarrassing. I have to like get extra. But he was able to teach me math in a way that was outside of our group classroom where it was me after school and it was just us two. And he got me to understand it. That was different because I couldn't do it in the group thing. Um, so then it made me think, oh, maybe I'm not bad at this. I just need, I just need to do it this way. So, okay. Thank you, Mr. Robert. Um, oh, well, good. It's good. Um, Miss Vaness, of course, she was my history teacher, American one and two in high school. And she also was at, was at after school. John and I would go after, after school mainly to talk about all the other aspects of history that we didn't get to discuss. And we had discussions, almost like a salon, but in school. Mm-hmm. And she's so intellectual and so supportive and empowering. And I um, really learned a lot from her of just how to like be human and love my love of history as well and like really go forth. Uh, Mr. Fair, he forced me to write so well. I would write and he would send it back with all the corrections and I would give it back and he correct. And I mean, constantly, and this was English, uh, AP English one and two, and I got fours on both. So, so a out here. So he really made me work hard, but I was like, I hate you, but I see you. And I appreciate that. Yeah, he was like yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. No, really hard. Like English, English lit is hard. But um, and then of course my my set of parents, the probably best educators there are out there, to be honest. Also for the complete empowering and supportive nature that they are. And every day I'm like, so I'm gonna do this now. I'm also gonna travel. Also may not go to college. Also I'm gonna take a gap year and I'm gonna do this. And they're like. <laughs> you can do. I'm uh, very, very fortunate yeah. in that regard. So thank you. Blessings. Okay. You're Me? Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first one was uh, Roseanne Del Baccio in the fourth grade who said to me, oh my God, you have a sense of humor. Oh. That's it. It's going to carry you far. Eighth grade, it was Mr. Raymond Bass who called my parents and said she's super bright, but please get her into an acting school because she's disrupting my class. <laughs> okay. That's it. Mr. Martha, who taught history... And he, he taught it in the way that he showed it to be the drama that it was. Yeah. It wasn't just fact. Right. It was yeah. really yeah. dramatic. It was really Great scandalous. Story. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. fabulous. Yeah. And last but not least, I'll, I'll never forget it. Her name was Fusco. Unfortunately, she just passed. She was a woman that I called by her first name when I was in the uh, 10th grade. I was, I was auditioning for uh, being a majorette. And I said, I called her by her first name, and she laughed. And she showed me that you could be human with students. You could be yourself. You could be compassionate. You can relax right. and be. So I love you all. Thank you. Love it. Man, that's awesome. Uh, so Mr. Damasi in the eighth grade, 
Uh, he was probably the first person that showed me that educators were human, and he would talk about his story. His wife died giving birth to his daughter, oh. and his story, like old school Italian guy from South Philly teaching a group of black kids, and he taught us about like the challenges of life and how to overcome them, mm. and that was awesome because right before I entered his class, my father died, so it was like, and we're still he and I are still friendly, which is great. Uh, in high school, I had Mr. Barilla in uh, English Lit, uh, Honors English Lit, and he read Beowulf in Old English to us. Oh, wow. That's the craziest thing right, right, ever. Wow. Um, he was a phenomenal guy, but he was the one who was kind of like, you guys can do whatever the hell you want to do. Why are you wasting your time doing this bullshit? Straight up to us. Like, talk to us like we were, yeah. were people. And it was refreshing. Also, junior had Mr. Selfridge, who I'm still very close with. He was telling he he had changed careers like nine times in his life. And now now he's an actor. He was a lawyer, like all kinds of stuff. And he's just like just like he was kind of like um, what's the movie with Robin Williams teaching? Dead Poets Society. Dead yes. Poets Society. He's like suck the marrow out of life, like that kind of guy. Yeah, Whatever you do, yeah. leave it all on the field. Mm. Got to college and two professors there, Dr. John Cito. Um, he was the first person that made me feel like I was actually smart, and I'm Aww. really smart. Um, yes, yes. But, like, and my, and my viewpoint is real. Like, it needs to be heard. So he was that, and then um, Dr. Doby, my philosophy professor. I took, I had him for the most amount of classes, and he just taught me that thinking was cool. Like, I was like, there were only nine philosophy majors in a population of 3,200. Wow. And so we were like endangered species. And <laughs> right, 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 right. And he was like, no, it's good. He's like, you're going to be more successful than your friends who are in business. And he's right. And so, mm. you know, he gave me the confidence to just keep thinking and keep being okay with thinking. So, those are the guys. I'm sorry. One Thank last you, guys. Oh, Sister Ave in English. Oh, sorry. That was it. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, uh, We're going to wrap up Sydney Cressa, sorry, I forgot you. Congratulations <laughs> on your retirement. Hey. I still remember when I cursed you out when you first came into yes. class. <laughs> and we're still cool now, so yes. Everything's fine. <laughs> English lit. English lit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, oh, James Francis, who closed the shades and read The Raven. Like, 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 Lawrence over here. Oh, my God. I fell in love with you. That's great. Um, Thank you guys so much. We definitely are going to wrap now. That was fabulous. Um, Cutty. And that's a wrap. If you liked what you heard, please rate us. Also, ensure you've subscribed on YouTube so you can put some faces to some names. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Anderson Street TV. Until next time.